0: Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenboss. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Cindy, we've all heard about ad fraud, but did you know that fraud comprises as much as $44 billion in the world of digital advertising? That's according to Jupiter Research, their estimate for 2022. And that just infuriates me. And today, though, we have the chance to dig into this with Dr. Augustine Fu, who really knows this topic. Cold and also what to do about it. And by the way, he also has a PhD from MIT. So let's invite him in here and get get an education on this.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Ruth. Glad to be here with you and Cindy.
0: Welcome, Doctor Welcome. Fu. You know, as I was thinking about this whole concept of ad fraud and what's going on here, there's so much to wrap our heads around. Dr. Fu, if you would allow me, let me try and frame what I believe the problem here is and how we got there. And please correct me then or take it from here. So in the last 10 years, we have moved from human to human ad networks to programmatic ad networks. And this created the opportunity for huge ad fraud, right, since botnets can now fabricate and control large amounts of the fake advertising ad placement, right? In addition, us marketers have been focused on spending all the money we're given for digital media and relying heavily on vanity metrics. So we're exacerbating the problem with ad fraud. I believe that's the a uh, problem here. Dr. Fuch, did I explain the core
2: situation here for our listeners? Yes, that's a really great way to summarize it in a nutshell. And I think I've been observing this industry for many years as well. And in the early days of digital advertising the buyers, meaning the advertisers, the buyers of the ads, would go to real publishers and they would have an opportunity to buy it from uh, real mainstream publishers that we've all heard of, like New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. But in the last 10 years, as you said, with programmatic exchanges, the buyers no longer have to go to the publishers to buy the ads because the idea is that they can now place their ads across millions upon millions of sites by buying it through an exchange, very much like Wall Street. So Wall Street connects the buyers and sellers of shares of stock, and the programmatic ad exchanges now connect the buyers and sellers of ad impressions. So when you dissociate the buyer from the seller, and you have this intermediary called the exchange, we now have the possibility of hundreds of thousands of fake sites that can also sell inventory, their ad inventory to the buyers. So it was really because of the ad exchanges that we saw an explosion of fraud that was really not as much, not as possible beforehand.
1: So what are advertisers thinking about this? This just sounds ridiculous. And if it were my money, I would be out, you know, complaining to Congress or the regulators or the exchanges themselves and demanding more honesty and transparency. what what Absolutely. what can we marketers be doing about this?
2: Well, it kind of goes right to Cindy's next point, which was that the marketers wanted these things. In fact you would you would wonder how would they actually want the, all this fraud? But if you think about the vanity metrics that they're currently reporting on, so the number of impressions that they bought, the low CPM prices that they got, and the number of clicks that they got, all of those are conveniently and easily done by botnets. So there are a finite number of humans on earth visiting a finite number of websites generating a finite number of page views, right? So in the real world, the way the ads are supposed to be created is when a visitor visits a page like New York Times, then the ads load, right? So now with programmatic exchanges, the bots can deliberately load lots and lots of web pages on fake sites and therefore cause a lot of the ad impressions. So it's almost like creating ad inventory out of thin air. So that's how we can generate so many more billions of impressions than was ever possible before because human audiences don't grow or contract very quickly, right? They grow very slowly, but bots can actually generate the billions upon billions of impressions that the marketers want to buy. And on top of that, they can do it at very low CPM prices because the fake sites, unlike the real newspaper sites or magazine publishers, they don't have to create content. They don't have the cost of real writers, journalists, editors to create content because that's not their intent, right? They're not trying to create useful content for humans. All they're doing is creating websites for the purpose of generating as many ad impressions as possible. So in that way... We're also giving them the second thing they want, which is low prices, low CPMs, right? They which they couldn't get from traditional. Even though it's all even pay- though
1: those CPMs are being viewed by non-humans.
2: Correct. Right. But the on the surface, the agencies love this as well because they can tell their clients, the big advertisers, like the CPG companies, we just bought you tens of billions more impressions, meaning they think they got a lot more reach. And we got you better prices. So yay, we you know, we hit <laughs> And then on top of that, the yeah. third thing that the bots do is they click on the ads. So then you have what appears to be more performance, right? So the ads that run on legitimate sites don't get as many clicks because those are humans. And humans don't click ads that much. Bots <laughs> right? Have <kind> of <laughs> you have huge so, quantities, so low prices, and higher clicks coming from bots.
1: So it sounds like the advertisers are at... F- fault themselves for accepting this kind of behavior and paying the bills for fraudulent impressions
0: it does sound like that we're contributing to the problem aren't we so we've created this by accepting it to some extent both the marketer who's the client right and the um so we're all this whole ecosystem is contributing to it which is you know just perpetuating it right so I just wanted to ask a question, Dr. Fu, can you share when we're talking about the different types of fraud, what kind of uh, fraud are we, t- are we perpetrating here? Is it display? Is it CPC? Like in terms of what are the bots creating by the billions that we're saying, oh, our, our vanity metrics are doing great.
2: So the fraud primarily affects CPM and CPC. So these are display ads and video ads that are purchased on a CPM or cost per thousand basis. And they also can affect search ads, which is purchased on a CPC basis, cost per click basis. So the bots can not only create the ad impressions, but they can also click on them. So between CPM and CPC, those two buckets represent 92% of digital spend. So while there is other uh, fraud in other forms of uh, digital marketing like cost per leads and affiliate, uh, we're primarily concerned about CPM and CPC simply because of the volumes involved here.
1: So what should we all be doing as marketers?
2: For the marketers, the key thing is to move away from the vanity metrics or the quantity metrics, because like we said before, the bots can generate tens of billions of impressions they can generate.
0: So we should be looking at different kind of metrics instead of the vanity metrics that we're, we've been talking about. And and so what are some of those important metrics, the digital could and should be driving that you think we should be measuring that's really important to you like what's a good question to ask your marketer to say what are you paying attention to Or, or or you know what are you looking at as far as a metric
2: well one of the key things for me is whether the marketer uses look back windows and the reason for that is it's it tells me that they are focused on incrementality So the key problem with a lot of digital marketing is that for the largest of advertisers, they're never dark in terms of advertising, right? They always have some form of advertising going on. So then the key question becomes cause and effect. So did the digital campaigns actually drive any incremental sales, meaning the sales that uh, would not be there in the absence of the digital marketing? The reason I ask this is some of the marketers did run their own experiments. And during 2020, the, during the pandemic, some of them did pause digital spend. And to their surprise, there was no change in business outcomes. So if that were the case, whether it was due to ad fraud or not, uh, those dollars were not being productive for them, right? It didn't drive incremental sales for them. So there might've been a better way or a better place for them to in- invest those dollars right? So for me, it's like, focus on business outcomes. Do you have a look back window, which tells me that you're looking at incrementality, so that you can actually see cause and effect? Did the digital marketing cause more sales for you?
1: I might have said cost per lead or cost per sale would be, or cost per conversion would be a metric that would make sense in my mind. What do you you say, Dr. Fu?
2: Those would be great, except the marketers need to be uh, cognizant of the fact that the bots can also fake that. Now it's not that the bots will go out and buy something. They can simply trick the attribution reports so that they claim credit for sales that would have occurred anyway. Right? So it's always good to look at the outcomes like sales and leads, but um, there's many documented examples where the bots can fill out the lead forms so that they can get paid for the leads. But those leads were not submitted by real humans. right? So as long as the marketers are on the lookout for those kinds of things, uh, they should be fine.
0: Wow,
1: now I'm really depressed.
0: Yeah, I would think, like, I'm just trying to think... Like a marketer, so I have a a product and I'm buying millions of leads on these um, from the lead aggregators. And then I'm going to look at uh, my conversion rate from lead completion form to actual sale. And I would think that over time that I'm seeing this get worse and worse, right? So my percentage of conversion from leads to closed sale would be going down if the quality of the leads are are erroneous and that I would say something must be up. Wouldn't that cause you to start yeah. to get concerned?
2: Well, unfortunately, a lot of the companies that buy leads, for example, insurance companies and even universities, their key metric is the cost per lead, and they want that to go down, right? So, they're saying, oh, well, we're going to pay less and less per lead, oh, well, fraud is baked in, you know, we don't care about that because, you know, as long as we're getting cheaper leads, um, then it's fine. What they're not realizing is that despite the cheaper leads, the reason they are cheaper is because they're fake, right? So over time, they actually should be looking at the cost per conversion. That's going to go up, right? So they're actually paying more because they actually have to discard 50 to 70% of the leads that they're getting because they weren't real. So I think because they're still focused on those quantity metrics, like oh, did we save some money by uh, you know paying lower cost per leads? That's not money saved, right? That's they're actually paying more money on a cost per conversion basis.
1: So, Doctor Fu, the last time we spoke, you had mentioned about advising us all to go back to 1995 and eschew the programmatic media buying and buy direct. Are you still? recommending that to marketers
2: yeah it sounds very um nonsensical like why would we go back 20 years uh to do something we did so many years ago but long story short what that tries to encapsulate is the fact that if you buy direct from a publisher then you can be sure that your ads are going to go on their site and be shown to humans right so i differentiate good publishers meaning the the mainstream publishers that you've heard of like uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Hearst, Condé Nast, Meredith, so on and so forth. When you buy direct from these publishers, uh, they are the ones that have real writers and editors creating real content, and therefore they have real human audiences, including you and me, right? We visit those sites. Whereas if you buy from the exchanges, you're just giving the money to the exchange, And what their job is, is to basically get your ads out there as far and wide as possible. And when they do so, that's where you're exposed to the ad fraud, because you're exposed to the fraudulent sites that happen to sell through that exchange. So there's a, there's a giant difference between buying media as if it were 1995, where you're buying directly from the good publishers versus giving your chunk of money to the exchanges so that they can spend it for you right? And so we hear the term working media, right? That's something, you know, in TV, we say, how much of our dollar actually went towards showing ads, right? And if you buy from the publishers, most of your dollar actually goes towards showing the ads and the ads go on their sites, which have human audiences. Whereas if you spend through programmatic channels, there's other studies that show that 50% of your dollar goes into the pockets of the middlemen because they have to make money as well. Right. So when that happens, you're paying a 50% tax. So less than half of your dollar actually goes towards working media. So is that efficient for you? I mean, for some, they might consider that fine because they're still going after that quantity, right? They want billions of ad impressions, uh, very low costs and high clicks. So that might be a trade off that they can make in their own mind. But if you're losing 50% of your dollar off the bat, to me, that's not a great deal compared to if you buy direct from good publishers.
1: So where's all this going? We've been buying programmatically for a while now. Are we just going to keep going forward and wasting a lot of money and not really understanding how much is real and how much is is fraudulent?
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, if we let this keep going, the the marketers are just going to keep doing what they've been doing. But fortunately, we've had the pandemic right? It's probably pretty rare for me to say that, but right. the pandemic, which caused some marketers to pause their digital spend. And because of that, some of them are waking up to the fact that all of that digital spend wasn't driving anything for them. We're not even talking about incremental. We literally mean anything. So wow. some of the marketers are waking up. And uh, and the other factor that's kind of an external force is the, the privacy regulations so gdpr in europe right and california's privacy law called ccpa they're starting to become enforced and that has to do with ad tech companies collecting data on people without their knowledge or consent and as these privacy regulations are uh, being enforced more and more of these ad tech companies that that were built on this kind of surveillance marketing uh they're going to have a hard time surviving meaning they're not going to be compliant with the law so in essence we're going to accidentally help the marketers do better digital marketing when we're doing away with uh, you know chunks of these ad tech companies that have not only been violating privacy laws but also facilitating or enabling fraud in you know to the levels that we've never seen before so i think going forward So some of these external forces are actually going to get us to a better place.
1: I'm still not clear on why compliance with the new privacy standards would eliminate or reduce the existence of the robots. Could you explain that a
2: little more? Sure. The bots are currently pretending to be audiences that marketers want to target, So, one of the fundamental premises of digital marketing is that you can target an ad to the right individual at the right time. And it requires the collection of data so that you can, first of all, tell who they are, and then second, what they like. And the way ad tech companies do that is by looking at what websites the people visited, right? Because the people are typically not logged into those websites, right? When you're just reading an article, you're not logged in, you're just visiting these sites but using tracking cookies, they can now look at the collection of websites that you visited. And knowing that website browsing history, they are inferring who you are and what you like. Now, there's several layers of data there, right? So first, the collection of the data, meaning which websites they, uh, the person visited. The second is the inference of who they are and what they like. At each of those levels, there are errors. Right, so long story short, there's now increasing research that shows that the targeting and the data collected is not terribly accurate. So therefore the ad targeting is not terribly accurate because it's based on that data. So the way this ties with ad fraud is that the bots can now deliberately visit a collection of websites. So for example, when I serve pharmaceutical companies, bots love to visit New England Journal of Medicine, uh, Journal of Clinical Oncology and other medical journals and in doing so, make themselves appear to be doctors. And so when the pharmaceutical companies want to target ads to doctors, they're happily uh, paying higher CPMs uh, to target them. And by doing so, the bots can now earn a higher CPM because they can look alike, they can pretend to be doctors, right, versus normal consumers. And so that's allowed an entire category of fraud to flourish. So, when we do so, away with those targeting parameters uh, due to the enforcement of privacy regulations, that form of fraud uh, is a little bit muted going forward.
0: Will this also be impacted positively from a fraud basis when we eliminate cookies? So, we have the moves yes. toward, okay. So, even though it's been paused. Um, until what do we hear 2023 but the inability to track cookies uh, and then google and apple's moves are going to
2: make this harder and harder as well yes it's just going to make it harder for the bots to collect those cookies and then pretend to be that audience right obviously bad guys have found workarounds to everything thrown at them so they (laughs) will find workarounds. (laughs) but right now it's as simple as collecting the cookie and then they can be Part of that audience so doing away with third-party cookies just makes that a little bit harder for the bots
0: so dr foo if i'm a marketer and advertiser and i'm looking into the future and saying i know that we're going to have some help here from privacy we're going to have uh, some help here with Uh, eliminating cookies, I need to um, get better and not be so lazy and and track more important metrics. Um, What else should I be looking at doing that's going to create a a more productive uh, ecosystem for me and um, less ad fraud?
2: I think it's a fundamental change in philosophy. So a lot of advertisers are still doing digital marketing as if they were doing TV advertising, right? So they believe that if we buy larger quantities of ads, that's going to give them bigger reach and frequency, right? Reach and frequency is kind of a mindset that came from TV. And in TV, that worked because if you get your ad in front of more people, they become aware of your product so they can buy it. In digital, however, everyone is so oversaturated with advertising, right? You know, humans use ad blockers, right? To protect themselves because there's too many ads. So for advertisers, if I could implore them to change their mindset from the TV advertising mindset of reach and frequency to, and so that's kind of like pushing a message out, right? You're just shouting that with a, with a megaphone at people. Modern consumers are too smart for that right? They will go research the information that they want to find when they want to find it. So I come out of search marketing, which means that people will go online and type in a search term when they want to look for something. And they typically do that when they research a product. So whether it's a consumer researching, you know, a a consumer product or a B2B uh, buyer going online to research a more complex, bigger ticket item, they're going to start with search so i think a lot of the marketers uh, they might be underinvesting in search and what i call pull marketing right so they they want to attract the user to them at a moment in time when they're searching for something right so when i talk about search not only is it the right time meaning it's the time that the person is typing in the search or they're looking for something, some information they even told you what they're looking for because they typed in the keyword so instead of just doing you know, investing heavily in push, getting your message out there. You need to make sure you balance that out with enough pull. So when that person is searching for information, they can find you because if they can't find you and you have no content ready to go, they're gonna find your competitors and basically, you know, buy your competitors' products. So I think it's really about balancing it out a little bit. Uh, So instead of just this reach and frequency uh, mentality of pushing ads as, as many ads out to people as possible, Uh, You now use search advertising as part of the mix. And in doing so, you're going to also avoid the fraud because then you don't end up buying tens of billions of ad impressions, a large chunk of which is being generated by bots.
0: Great advice. Thank you. Well, Ruth, I can't thank you enough for bringing Dr. Fu onto our show. And thank you, Dr. Fu, for enlightening us on such an interesting topic that I had no idea the actual scale of it and understanding that we were contributing to the problem ourselves.
1: Thanks for your time and expertise, Dr. Fu.
2: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: Wow, Ruth, that was really eye-opening and rather shocking to me. I guess I just assumed that we had come so far with digital advertising and so much farther than we had in 10 years, 20 years. But it reminded me of an old ad that we marketers and advertisers used to see where there's this guy that says, I know only 50% of my advertising is working. I just don't know which 50% it is. And we used to all tout that, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. And as direct marketers, we always felt so superior to the general advertisers who were forced to ask questions like that it, wasn't it john wanamaker who was was attributed to whom that quote was attributed in the day i think so it's amazing everything comes full circle i mean really what what are we doing here i must say i'm just flabbergasted that advertisers would tolerate this kind of fraud isn't isn't fraud something that we should be marshalling our regulatory, legislative, and even law enforcement resources to, to try to stamp out, uh, I ju- I'm, I'm just amazed.
0: It does seem so. I mean, we have the Consumer Protection Act, we have the TCPA for... Uh, how it protects us for our telephone fraud. We have, there are so many mechanisms where they're looking out for us as consumers, but maybe that is at the root of it. It's not the consumer that's being, you know, spammed. It's, defrauded, it,
1: right? Defrauded. It's the advertisers. So mm-hmm. what's up with advertisers? And also, couldn't we, now, Dr. Fu didn't mention this, but couldn't we also accuse Everyone involved in programmatic, the agencies, the media buying agencies, the ad exchanges themselves. Couldn't we accuse them of being complicit in this massive fraud?
0: Um, Yeah, I think that's a real hard one, Ruth. I mean, we do understand that the issue comes down to these bots and these botnets and and how they're pretty smart at tricking us. And they've been able to trick us with outcomes. They've been able to trick us with attribution right. forms. They're even able to trick us with filling out lead forms.
1: I know to think that some of those lead gen sites like insurance and um, mortgages and and other quote generating sites could be Subject to robotic form fills.
0: Man. Yeah, which means I think that then the onus does fall on um, the marketers and the advertisers to figure out as best they can what is a real genuine human lead, what is a what is even a remotely uh, marketing qualified lead. You know, we talk about that all the time: sales qualified lead, marketing qualified lead. But, you know, if it sniffs and feels and sounds like a bot, it probably is. Right. So, you know, they're getting smarter and we got to get smarter, too. And more aggressive,
1: less passive. Maybe we could even be accused of being lazy.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I always say, here's the data, you know, geek in me. I have this soap box I get on hmm. that marketers get lazy with models models make us lazy cuz we just don't have to understand what went into the model right to me it's all kind right. of like stew Magic i can hide box. yeah i can hide all sorts of evils and ills inside a model if i don't understand how it was built and this seems a little similar to it where i really don't care what went into getting me that lead as long as i get them at a volume that i can meet my a client where I can meet my end user client's requirement to feed the beast, like give me the leads.
1: Right. And I, I appreciated his suggestion that we rethink the way we view our success factors in digital advertising, that we change our metrics basically from impressions and clicks by using techniques like look back windows to Mm. assess whether an ad budget actually generated some lift in sales. And, you know, I I had some connection with Procter & Gamble last year at the point where they did pause Facebook advertising. I can't remember Mm. exactly why they did, but when Dr. Fu mentioned that advertisers took a pause due due to the pandemic and saw no change in their sales. What a scary and sort of shameful outcome. Seems to me that all large advertisers should be rethinking their digital marketing strategies.
0: That, that That is a, a shocking comment, Ruth. They saw no change. Yeah. After they pulled all that money out. Wow. What so would John Wanamaker say? <laughs> what would John Wanamaker say? Wow. Well, Ruth, with all, maybe we should think about our three little piggies. What are our major takeaways after this conversation we had with Dr. Fu? Do you want to take the
1: first one? Yeah, I would say the first one is that we've had our eyes opened to the extent of the fraud that takes place in digital marketing. I've heard of this sort of tangentially, but I really had no idea what a huge waste is being perpetrated here.
0: Yes. And I know Dr. Fu said about 50%. And uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers has also confirmed that on average, 51% of advertiser mm. spend ends up as net working media. So it it is a big, big problem we need to pay attention to. And uh, when Dr. Fu said that, CPM and CPC makes up 92% of the spend. And if that's where the fraud is being perpetrated, then we can see what a massive problem this is. Uh, that's a big one.
1: Yeah. And then as a second little piggy conclusion to, to my mind would be that we need to sit up and think differently, change our philosophy, he said, and stop acting like we're buying television media and going for reach and frequency, and instead think more about poll marketing, stop shouting, and uh, and balance out our, our push marketing outreach with more of a poll marketing strategy around search in specific, he mentioned. That yes. seems to make
0: a lot of sense. Yes, you said we're under-investing in paid search. And that, when you think about it, we know what people are looking for. It's true intent data because of the search words and the keywords. So that was uh, takes us back to our basics. And I think with maybe the third one, we've had a lot of the string of privacy across many of our conversations. But maybe the third one is that the bad actors are going to be... Uh, exiting some of this business when they no longer can perpetrate it because of GDPR, COPA, some of the privacy laws that are being reinforced now, and legislation is actually taking its toll on them. So if they don't see that they can perpetrate this fraud easily, they're going to move on to some other easy way to perpetrate it. And with cookies eventually being um, going away, even though it's not going away as soon as we thought. Once again, we're going to become smarter as marketers will have to uh, because we won't have the same ability to um, identify individuals or fake intent based on what a Dr. Fu was saying with the, with the bots. So whether we as marketers take this on or whether the, the bots move on to some other easier target, um, privacy in this case may help us.
1: That's wonderful, isn't it? To, to think that we would have this unintended positive outcome. Well, that seems like a wrap, Cindy. I think he was really one of the most fascinating visitors we've had on this program. And maybe we should even invite him back for more sometime.
0: Yes. Thank you, Ruth, for bringing Dr. Fu. And, you know, you can't uh, take away those amazing credentials and experience that he brings to this conversation. But I'm certainly going to be looking at my metrics differently with my clients after this conversation.
1: Here, here. Thank you, Cindy.
0: Thanks, Ruth. Have a good one. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu/mc today to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.